It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. Well, we're learning more today about the young Abbotsford girl struck and killed by a bus on her way to school yesterday. Nine-year-old Haller had moved to Canada with her family last year to escape the violence in Syria. The community now stepping up to help her parents and the siblings who have been left behind and are devastated. Here's Nadia Stewart. This is the mosque where Hala's family comes to pray, and it has been a difficult day for them. We're told uh, by friends of the family uh, that they laid their nine-year-old daughter to rest today following Friday's tragic accident. We've also been told that the family is trying to stay strong, that they're praying, encouraging one another, uh, but they're certainly dealing with uh, some just difficult circumstances. They arrived in Canada about two years ago as refugees from Syria, coming to Canada via Jordan, uh, and they've been trying to settle into life here, and then tragedy struck on Friday when their nine-year-old girl died. The road ahead for them, I I don't know. I, I can't describe, I, I don't know. Uh, but what I can tell is we ask God, we ask the divine reality to um, give them patience and to give them uh, more strength to deal with this loss. Now we're also hearing from parents whose children also attend the same school as Hala. They're raising concerns about the crossing guard at that intersection where the young girl was struck. They say that it has been a problem that crossing guards have not been there in the past. Friday morning wasn't the first morning where that happened. We have yet, though, to hear back from Abbotsford Community Services. Nadia Stewart, Global News, Abbotsford. Well, a GoFundMe page has now been set up to help Haller's family, who've been in financial difficulties since federal assistance ended for the family a year after they arrived in Canada. The goal for this page uh, to raise $10,000. Uh, at last check, we uh, noticed that they are almost halfway, over halfway there right now. A traffic nightmare along one of the busiest highways in the Lower Mainland today. It was caused by an overturned semi. It flipped on the westbound lane of Highway 1 in Langley and ended up in the median just before noon. Traffic problems lasting for several hours. The trailer, we've heard, is still stuck in the ditch. No word yet on what caused the crash or any injuries. The city of Vancouver has announced the latest neighbourhood that's going to be getting temporary housing modular for the homeless. As Paul Johnson reports, it comes as legal action has been launched against residents who've been holding up construction of a similar project in Marpole. On a cold and damp Saturday, protesters are back at the site of a future temporary housing facility for homeless in Vancouver's Marpole neighborhood. We are talking about the potential risk. It's very high for our kids. Their standoff with the city escalated yesterday when they started blocking access to work trucks, forcing the city to head for court seeking an order for them to stop. Now they're emboldened by this the discovery of a city document outlining its plan that spells out how a certain number of the new tenants must be high-needs people, including those with extensive criminal history indicating high risk to reoffend. This is exactly what they've been worried about. This is a elementary school over here. It's 25 steps. 
Marpol is sure a sign as any that the city's plan to deal with homelessness is going to be a tough slog. In East Van's Collingwood neighborhood, this community garden on Caslow Street will soon be moved to make way for a similar facility there. And like Marpol, many residents are upset. I don't like it. I worry the security and the people drunk. But listen to what Ken Sutter Dirksen has to say. With his two small daughters in tow, he's also invested in the future of his neighborhood, and he supports the plan. I would rather expose my children to reality, um, which is that we're, we're not doing a good job of sharing what we have, and that, uh, you know, there are people that are a lot less fortunate than us that need space to live in. Heather Nielsen told us she that, thinks I, the I fear think of that, crime um, is overblown. There is more of a, a dire need to serve the, the people who are less fortunate in our, in our city. So I feel that that need is probably a bit greater. Wrong location! Wrong idea! Wrong location! What's worse, a city with desperate people living outside or one with some of them housed? But in your neighborhood, Vancouver is still sorting that one out. Paul Johnson, Global News. There's been more reaction today to the shocking decision made by a judge to throw out the murder charges against notorious gangster Jamie Bacon in the case of the Surrey Six murders a decade ago. Bacon, the leader of a gang called the Red Scorpions, was the alleged mastermind of the mass killing at a Surrey high-rise in October 2007. He was facing charges, excuse me, of first-degree murder and conspiracy to commit murder in the deaths of six people, including two innocent bystanders. Now, the hearing was held behind closed doors. The BC Supreme Court judge saying that the reasons for why charges against Bacon were stayed must remain sealed. Uh, she cites uh, the fact that uh, his lawyers came up with some information that should have been disclosed to them, uh, perhaps involving a confidential informant, because those confidential informants have absolute privilege. Uh, there's very little public information that can be released around this, which I know creates a lot of frustration, both on behalf of the families and behalf of the, gen of the general public. Bacon is still in custody. He's on a separate charge of counselling murder. In other news today, the man who killed a Vancouver mother of five has been sentenced to life in prison. Daniel Paul beat his then-girlfriend Rose Paul to death in January of 2015 in their East Vancouver home. He then lived with the body for more than a month. Paul won't be eligible for parole for at least 21 years after being found guilty of second-degree murder. Much of Rose's family was in court to hear the sentencing and say just has been done. A relief to us, but it kind of gives respect to Rosie's death, like the brutal beating that she had. And I think it was a good, good solution to the problems and the murder and everything else. The woman who scammed more than 200 B.C. investors out of $100 million in a Ponzi scheme is heading to jail. Do you have anything to say to the victims? Please leave me. I've said what I've said in court. That is former notary Rashida Samji outside the Vancouver courthouse last year where she was sentenced to six years in prison for fraud and a $33 million fine from the Securities Commission. Samji appealed, claiming she shouldn't have to face both penalties. The B.C. Court of Appeal has disagreed and ruled the jail sentence will stand. 
Advanced voting is underway this weekend for a federal by-election in Surrey that's getting plenty of attention nationally. Both the Prime Minister and Tory leader Andrew Scheer will have made multiple stops in the riding to prop up their two high-profile candidates running to replace Diane Watt as MP. Kristen Robinson reports. Even babies are enthralled by Justin Trudeau. Canada's popular Prime Minister in town to support the Liberal candidate in the South Surrey White Rock by-election. We've been drawing in amazing people who are focused on being their community's voice in Ottawa and not Ottawa's voice in their communities. And that's what we need Gordy for. Former White Rock Mayor and BC Liberal MLA Gordon Hogue vying for the seat left vacant when former Conservative MP Diane Watts quit to seek the BC Liberal leadership. It's Trudeau's second visit to the riding within a month, and many here say they want change. My husband and I both own our own businesses, and I believe in balance, not just, you know, let's give handouts. I know there are people who need help, and I think liberals have the best balance. Just um, to believe more in social justice, in the environment, to commit to those issues that aren't necessarily in a higher income person's um, immediate best interest, but more globally. Hogue is locked in a battle with Carrie Lynn Findlay. Tory leader Andrew Scheer has also hit the riding to boost the former Conservative cabinet minister who says she's hearing voters want a change in Ottawa. What I'm hearing from a lot of people is they don't like some of the mean-spiritedness they've seen from the Ottawa Liberals, especially the attacks on small business. They don't like the tax hikes. I'm also hearing concern, we are a border town, about uh, refugees just walking over from the United States as opposed to going through the normal channels. There's some concern about that, reintegration of ISIS fighters. What does that mean when we hear they're going to be read poetry and they're not really monitoring where they are? Each party is sort of in very similar circumstances, although the Liberals might have a slight edge given that uh, Justin Trudeau is far more popular and well-known than Andrew Scheer. The riding is traditionally conservative, but Watts narrowly won in 2015. Political watchers say whatever happens could set the tone for the 2019 federal vote. By-election voting day is December 11th. Kristen Robinson, Global News. And on the provincial level, things heating up in the BC Liberal leadership race. Hopefuls taking the stage at a debate in Kelowna today. Saying you're going to listen doesn't always work. We lost Anybody the, can we listen, lost folks. the election because we stopped listening. I've heard that and 400 you know times, Diane. Clearly all having a lot to say. Six candidates are vying for the party's top job, which has been left open since former Premier Christy Clark resigned in August. The leadership hopefuls include MLA's Todd Stone, Mike de Jong, Michael Lee, Sam Sullivan and Andrew Wilkinson, as well as former Conservative MP Diane Watts. I thought it was a great debate. I love the feistiness. I thought the questions were really good. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I hate to see division uh, when it comes to um, the actual vote. So if we can start backing one person and uh, having them win on the first ballot, I think that would be uh, great for the party. Well, the BC Liberals will choose their next leader on the first weekend in February. Anybody who wants to vote must become a party member by December the 29th. 
It has now been a week since a light plane with two people on board went missing on a flight from Penticton to Edmonton. The families desperately looking for a key piece of information that could help find them. Global's Julia Wong reports. It is day seven in the search for Dominic Neron and Ashley Borgo. The 28-year-old pilot and 31-year-old mother of three left at Penticton Airport last Saturday afternoon, headed for Edmonton. Their plane never made it. Search and Rescue has been scouring the Revelstoke area this past week. Neron's family believes he bought a survival kit in the Edmonton area for the plane. They say information about that is critical. We need to know who sold Dominic this survival kit to know exactly the contents in it. It's really important for us to know what's in the kit because something um, like a tent or a tarp and knowing the color um, will keep the search going. It'll give search and rescue um, additional information to continue their search. They say Neron likely had a four-person survival kit. Knowing that he had a survival kit for the four people to include the kids, if need be, um, gives us hope that they would have enough items in that kit to keep them going for a few weeks. We have seen uh, situations where people have survived really, really long periods of time in very difficult terrain. But uh, what I can say is, you know, weather and the, the terrain being a factor uh, could be, you know, cold and snowy up there. Family members left for Revelstoke from Edmonton Saturday morning to help in the search. We will be canvassing the town with missing posters and reaching out to any pilots in the area that can be on the lookout for Dominic and Ashley and their plane. We're going to be um, searching the highways um, and uh, logging roads and any other areas that we can get to ourselves. The Joint Rescue Coordination Centre says it can't speculate when the search may be called off. The family says they've been told that could happen soon. We know they are still alive. We are not giving up. Julia Wong, Global News. In other news, tonight a pair of walruses who made international headlines last year are headed to Vancouver. Lakina and Balzac will be transferred from Quebec City to the Vancouver Aquarium in the coming weeks. Now, they were the seventh and the eighth baby walruses born in captivity in North America in more than 80 years. They're also the first to be born in captivity in Canada. The move allowing the Quebec Aquarium more room for the three adult walruses that they currently have. 65 tons of herring up for sale today, all for a good cause. People lining up for the seventh annual herring sale in Steveston. Proceeds going to help children with cancer. Local fishermen there very proud of the end results. We were nervous that nobody would buy herring. And we sold 30 tons. And then the next year we thought we better get a little more. And we sold 40 and we were sold out at noon. And we've sold out every year since then. And we're up to 65 tons right now. And we do, we earn about $100,000 a year right now for sick kids at, at Children's. That's a lot of fish. Now, with many brick and mortar stores losing the battle to online shoppers these days, a major Japanese retailer has opened its Canadian flagship store in downtown Vancouver today. Three, two, one, good enough. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, people pretty happy. Muji taking over the former Gap store on Robson. It's uh, the largest outside of Asia, offering a mix of household and consumer goods. Muji opened its first BC store at Metropolis at Metrotown in August. They now have six across the country and 850, in case you want to know, around the world. The rain not putting off shoppers today from lining up this morning. I like to feel the merchandise. I like to see it in person because a photo can only tell so much. This is about the experience. It's about touching and feeling. It's about smelling. They have an aromatherapy section. Mm. Still ahead tonight, Prime Minister Trudeau is heading to China. What he is expected to announce in Beijing that could mean millions of dollars for Canada. Welcome back. Well, it's been described as the biggest victory President Donald Trump has had so far. A controversial tax plan approved by the U.S. Senate early this morning. Now, this would be the largest change to U.S. tax laws since the 80s. It would also mean slashing taxes for businesses and the rich. Protesters greeted President Donald Trump at a Republican Party fundraiser in Midtown Manhattan Saturday morning, decrying the tax bill Senate Republicans passed just hours before. The Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, as amended, is passed. In front of a group of Republican Party donors, the president claimed victory. But what we're doing is, if you look at it, we're going to grow the country. We're going to grow jobs. We're going to be growing everything. The bill passed 51-49 early Saturday morning with Tennessee Republican Bob Corker joining Democrats in voting against it. The bill, more than 400 pages long, distributed just hours before the vote, with some parts written by hand in the margins. Let's take a look at this, folks. This is your government at work. The plan would slash the corporate tax rate and offer more modest cuts to families and individuals. It would also repeal the individual mandate to buy health insurance. Republicans insist it will jumpstart the economy, benefiting everyone. This bill is about helping Americans for the long term. It's about restoring the American dream. But the Tax Policy Center predicts two-thirds of middle-class earners would ultimately see tax increases. According to every independent study, the legislation passed last night gives incredibly large tax breaks to the very, very wealthy. It raises taxes on millions of middle-class families. There are big differences in the House and Senate versions of the tax plan. A final round of negotiations will hammer out the details over the next few weeks. Now, after a brief stop in Surrey, the Prime Minister is now heading to China for a week-long visit. Global News has learned of one deal he's set to announce, and it's one that could bring, bring big money to one of Canada's biggest sectors. Global National's chief political correspondent, David Aiken, has more. We've learned that one of the deals is going to be signed while Trudeau was in China this week involves Canada's canola industry. And this is a big, big industry, employs thousands of people across the country, both on farms and in urban centers. Canada exports right now $10 billion worth of canola to China every year. And if you want to know how much canola that is, think of a train from Vancouver to Winnipeg filled with canola. That's how much we sell them every year. Well, here's what's happening. Five years ago, Canadian authorities approved three new biotechnology-engineered seeds that help canola growers grow more canola. But those seeds have not been approved for use in China. Well, the Chinese are going to announce this week that they have approved these Canadian genetically engineered seeds. And what that means for the canola industry is an extra 
$400 million a year worth of canola sales to China. And that, of course, means more jobs and prosperity back in Canada. But while people are talking a lot about trade in this China trip, we'll also be talking about human rights. For example, there's a man from Richmond, B.C., John Chang. He's a winery owner. He's been in jail in China for 20 months now on a customs dispute. Amnesty International has flagged about another 18 cases, human rights cases, with a Canadian connection, and they want Trudeau to bring those up with his Chinese host. So trade will be a big deal for the next week, but slow issues of China's human rights record. David Aiken, Global News, Ottawa. Hundreds of women marched in Toronto today against sexual harassment and assault. The Me Too march brought out survivors to share their stories and to stand together to create change. It's all part of a global movement sparked by allegations of sexual assault against Hollywood producer Harvey Weinstein. Since then, a number of high-profile celebrities and politicians have been accused. Hundreds of victims also coming forward. Vancouver hosted its own Me Too march earlier this month. A scary situation in Cleveland when an out-of-control fire prompted concern for animals at a nearby zoo. Flames from a massive junkyard fire could be seen for kilometres. More than 50 cars were taken over by flames and toxic smoke spreading as firefighters tried to get a handle on the blaze. It was a tense few hours for the Cleveland Zoo next door. Thankfully, no humans or animals were hurt. All right, so that's all your big chunk of news. Uh, now we've got, of course, sport with Barry and weather with Yvonne. And uh, the rain was kind of on and off today, wasn't it? On and off. Yeah. And then we, are been, we have been advertising a nice change on the way, the return for some sunshine and much drier conditions. It has been an extremely soggy November with up to 22 days of rainfall. So it was one of the wettest stretches that we've seen in a while. Here's what we are seeing this evening, still hanging on to cloud cover showers. We'll taper off for the overnight. We'll talk about the clearing on the way, the break and how long the sunshine will last. I'll have that coming up very shortly with your full forecast. But All right. Okay. This time last week, we were like all excited for the Grey Cup. So is this weekend sticking out for anything? Uh, well, the Canucks are playing right now against oh. the Leafs. They, okay. they play the, every time the Leafs visit here, they play the 4 o'clock start. So all the Leaf fans back home don't have <laughs> to change their schedules. But they're almost done. The Canucks have played well. They're up 2 nothing in the third, but you know they just came back from that uh, six-game, ten-day uh, road trip just basically about a day and a half ago. So they're just hanging on. They're a little tired, but uh, playing well. So we have all the highlights of that coming up. And, of course, we got Red Zone with Chanel every Saturday and mm-hmm. uh, some good EPL action. So all coming up. All right, okay. But you're going to get deeper for that. Yeah, Red, that was just a practice. That was a practice for the it'll, Red Zone. <laughs> you'll, you'll hear what you need to hear a little later on. Brilliant. Okay. All right, still ahead as well, putting <laughs> bright minds together to help look for a cure. There is a major international conference taking place in Vancouver this weekend, and the hope is to help fight a type of cancer that affects young people. Also ahead tonight, home for the holidays with a special meaning for three BC families. Stay with us for that too. The health professionals from across North America have gathered in Vancouver this weekend to come up with better ways to type uh, to treat a type of cancer that especially affects young people. The conference at the Wask Centre is dealing with sarcoma, which is a type of cancer that's found in soft tissue and bone. While this is quite rare, it affects less than 1% of patients overall. Sarcoma can affect up to 10% of patients in the 15 to 39 age group. BC researchers, though, say they are seeing a lot of promise in fighting cancers of all types. 
We're still trying to find something that would be a magic bullet or improve survival in sarcoma specifically. But in general, in cancer overall, there's a lot more emphasis in trying to find the tailored treatment for the individual patient to maximize their curability and also minimize their toxicity. An early Christmas present for three families in the Okanagan who were handed keys to their new homes. As Shelby Tom reports, a non-profit housing organization has made their dreams of owning a home come true. And it's just in time for the holidays. Ivan and Natalie Scowen are busy parents raising three young children in Vernon. Being a single-income household, the dream of home ownership seemed out of reach. The prospective first-time buyers had difficulty saving for a down payment. That was our biggest struggle, was like being able to save that up when there's so many other things you have to pay for. Adequate living is just hard to find. Like our, our couple rentals before was... Like a lot of mice was in the house and just like not nice conditions. That's until the Scoans connected with Habitat for Humanity. The nonprofit housing organization selected the family to become one of three new homeowners of a triplex on 35th Avenue. The city donated the land and the organization built the 1,500 square foot three bedroom homes for low income families. The Scoans and two other families purchased these homes with a zero down payment and interest free mortgage. Welcome home. Today, volunteers, community sponsors, and the new owners gathered to officially receive the keys to their new homes. Thank you, Habitat. Habitat for Humanity's model empowers families to invest in home ownership. Its chairperson says there's high demand for this program in the Okanagan, with 30 families already living in Habitat homes. So it's really badly needed, and especially in the Okanagan, with our you know our average home price is over 700, well close to 700,000. For the Scowins, an early Christmas present to finally have a place to call home. What do you think of the home? You like it? Yeah. Shelby Tom, Global News, Vernon. Fantastic story. Coming up, lighting up the heights. North Burnaby shining brighter tonight with lots of community spirit. We'll show you some scenes in a few minutes. These are the stories that challenge our perspective. Linda, nice to meet you. I never vote for you because you don't have to. The stories that bring us together. People have lost so much. The stories that offer context. Stir emotion. People are going to die of homelessness. And deliver resolve. These are the stories that shape our landscape. My land is my brother, is my sister. I will fight for it. Global News. We are BC's News. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. All right, life getting much brighter in North Burnaby tonight, and lots of people there to enjoy it. That's the annual Light Up the Lights along Hastings Street. People gathering at the number five fire hall to celebrate along with Santa. There he is, his elves, lots of carolers there too. The event has been going for close to 20 years and it's sponsored by the Heights Merchants Association. 
Oh, it all looks so festive. And uh, now we're definitely getting into the mood of everything. And I was just talking to Yvonne during the break <laughs> about the, I'm kind of betting in my head, not with the bookies, about the odds of uh, a white Christmas this year. And I, I'm thinking it's a little too soon, but Is that's it? okay. We were looking at a few statistics and uh, the potential, it's not very likely. But no. you never know, considering the winter that we had last season. So we'll stay tuned and we'll have more coming up in the coming weeks. Here's what we are seeing this evening. They'll, they'll uh, still hanging on to cloud cover. We've had on and off rain. It has tapered off, but the bulk of the moisture is really going to start to taper off overnight. And we're back into a dry day, a much-needed reprieve and lull in the action for tomorrow. Right now, we're sitting at 5 degrees, rain out of the airport or showers, temperatures with a northerly wind at 7 kilometers per hour. High today was at 6 for many areas, right where we should be for this time of the year. And a record of 14 degrees was set on this day back in 1941. A few birthday announcements this evening going out to Elizabeth Greenlaw and Jimmy Chin, both celebrating 100 and a very happy birthday to Alyssa Matrandola from East Vancouver celebrating 101. So congratulations and happy birthday to you all. Back to the forecast and what we are seeing for some of the numbers today. Highs of 3 degrees for the interior. Cranbrook today climbing up to 5 degrees. The piece, a chilly one at minus 3. And for areas near Tofino and Victoria, topping out at 8 degrees. Satellite and radar, the system that brought us the moisture, is going to sink towards the south. Interior sections tomorrow will see cloud cover for the morning hours and a clearing for the afternoon. Here's the break in the action where we do have a ridge that's going to start to build its way in. Tomorrow being one of the drier days, and I'll talk more about Monday and Tuesday in just a moment. Late day tomorrow, though, on the future cast, we can see some moisture starting to push in across the north coast. And it's by Monday as it starts to sink its way further to the south that we will see some instability. There is more cloud cover Monday, Tuesday across the south coast and a slight chance to see some isolated showers. That ridge starts to build in once again, and that's Wednesday, Thursday, that we'll see plenty of sunshine and potentially even in towards our Friday and even leading in towards next Saturday. The piece for tomorrow, minus three with the high, partly cloudy sky with dry conditions for the next three days. Whitehorse at minus 11, a southerly wind tomorrow ramping up to 30 kilometers per hour. Coastal sections will still see a chance of showers, the bulk of the moisture pushing in on Monday and similar for Tuesday. Temperatures also warming up. Caribou in central interior underneath the mix of sun and clouds sitting at minus three, an increase in cloud cover, but right around the average for this time of the year. Columbia and Kootenai region will start off with cloud cover, a clearing on the way for the afternoon. Temperatures bumping up to four degrees is a high. Most areas for the Thompson in Okanagan, we'll see some sunny breaks for tomorrow. Monday, Tuesday, the, the concern will be some low valley cloud for your region with temperatures at minus one. Whistler will see some nice breaks, especially from the snowfall from today. A much drier day with temperatures up to minus one. And along the island, a dry day tomorrow. Southern and eastern sections will be at seven degrees and a nice clearing across the northern and central sections as well. We're down to four for the overnight tonight. Most of the clearing and the showers are going to taper off overnight. We're up to six degrees as the high for your Sunday. If you're planning on uh, doing the Christmas lights or decorations outdoors, fantastic for tomorrow. We do have a chance for some showers Monday, Tuesday, and then it rebounds Wednesday. The potential to see temperatures up to nine degrees. Sonia? Wow, sunshine. Thank you very much for that, Yvonne. Uh, coming up, the Canucks and Leafs just finishing up at Rogers Arena. Barry has got all the highlights next. So if you're missing your sports fix, stay with us. That's in a couple of minutes. All right, welcome back. So, yeah, I was just looking at the Twitter feed for uh, the Canucks game right mm -hmm. now. And, um, yeah, some of these I can't read on air. Well, hockey fans are passionate, <laughs> I guess. <laughs>
The one thing about your opinion, it's never wrong, right? right. So I guess you're always right on Twitter. But, but we will trust what you say. Yes, yes. We have a good hockey game going on. It's still going on. Dying seconds. Canucks are hanging on by their fingernails. Uh, they had no time to enjoy their successful six-game road trip where they went 3-2-1. and one. Tonight, they're right back at it at Rogers Arena against the visiting Maple Leafs. Canucks have had a great season so far. Uh, it can get better if they step it up at home. Just three of their 12 wins this season have come on home ice. Daniel Sedin, honored before the game for his 1,000th career point, scored Thursday in Nashville. And special presenter Derek Dorsett presenting the silver puck to Daniel. Nice touch by the Canucks as Dorsett gets a nice applause from the fans, of course, forced to retire with the uh, neck injury. Early on, Troy Stetcher takes a slapper off the instep of his foot. That hurts. He just returned from a knee injury for a five-week stint, so he stayed in the game, though. Canucks open the scoring off the turnover. Marcus Granlund rips the wrister over Freddie Anderson. May have been tipped by the Leafs defenseman. Fourth of the year for Granlund. one nothing Canucks. And then the Sedins dominate a shift. During a delayed penalty, they controlled the puck for 30 seconds and then... Daniel and Henrik combined to set up fellow Swede Alex Edler for his first of the year. The Twins really came to play tonight. Plenty of jump. 2-0 Canucks. Leafs had some chances. Austin Matthews with the redirect in front, but a nice uh, pad save by Jacob Markstrom remains 2-0. Second period, Leafs power play. William Nylander with the wrister off Markstrom's glove. Then off the post, stays out. Leafs had a 10-0 shot advantage in that second period at one point. Then more trouble for Stetcher. Takes the puck in the face, had to leave for repairs, but stayed in the game. Jake Vertanen, this is a great play, bursts away, gets the stick chopped out of his hands, but picks it up, keeps going, and almost scores on the play. What a play by Jake, showing his skill and speed in the third James Van Riemsdyk on the wraparound is stopped. Van Riemsdyk did score just moments ago, but the game has just ended. That is now a final. Canucks hang on for the 2-1 win. Habs and Wings, Montreal 4-0 since Carey Price's return, and he's been nothing short of spectacular in each game. Great start for the Habs. Paul Byron, check out this speed. Bursts away and then rips it bar down his seventh of the year. Price didn't have much to do. It was Paul Byron's show and the rest of the Habs as they really broke out. Byron again, one on three against the Red Wings, wins the race and scores, and he's not done yet. How about this for the hat-trick goal? 9-1 Canadians right now late in the third, going to their fifth straight win. No more panic in Montreal after that tough start. Also today, Bruins and Flyers from Philly. First period, Ryan Spooner. He's got the breakaway, and that's a nice move to beat Brian Elliott. Five-hole, one-nothing Boston after one. Second period, Bruins now up two-nothing. Charlie McAvoy, the defenseman, nice heads-up feed there for Brad Marchand, who deeks Elliott three-nothing the final. Flyers are 0-5-5 in their last 10. Yeah, that's a 10-game losing streak. Tiger Woods' latest comeback had a very bright start through two rounds of the Hero Challenge in the Bahamas. Tiger was at 7-under through 36 holes, briefly led the tournament during round two yesterday. But more importantly, he was swinging freely and pain-free after spinal fusion surgery kept him out of action for some 10 months. Could he keep 
his fine form going today in round three. Tiger began the day in fifth, but very windy conditions in the Bahamas. Check out the flags flapping. Many struggled with it, including Tiger. That wind put Tiger in some tough places around the green, and he had some issues with chipping. Short game, as always, the toughest to keep consistent. Tiger flubs this chip, which led to a bogey. And then on the sixth, Tiger again. Problems with the chipping game. Air mails that one. Tiger was four over on the front side. Four bogeys, no birdies. Made a Nice rally on the back with a couple of birdies, including this one on 17. Three over 75 today. Tiger at four under, tied for 10th in the 18-man field. Charlie Hoffman continues to lead the way. Two under 70, including this birdie on 15. Hoffman at 14 under, a five-shot lead on Jordan Spieth and Justin Rose. It's a very good field in the Bahamas. Eight of the top 10 in the world are playing this week. All right, still to come, another goal-filled Saturday in the English Premiership, and we'll preview the Seahawks showdown tomorrow night in primetime versus the league-leading Eagles. Stay with us. Welcome back. The Seahawks certainly have their greatest challenge of the season before them tomorrow night at CenturyLink when they host the 10-1 Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles have the best record in the NFL, the most productive offense, and they've won nine straight. Add that up, and the Seahawks are the underdogs at home, which is a rarity. What's not a rarity? Chanel breaking it all down in the red zone. Seahawks step up in class Sunday night when they host the best team in the NFL as the 10-1 Eagles roll into Century Link Field. Seattle will be the biggest home underdog since Russell Wilson took over this team back in 2012. But over the last five years, the Hawks are 17-5 in the month of December. Carson Wentz, a big reason why the Eagles have won nine straight, 28 touchdowns, number one in the NFL Philadelphia is averaging almost 32 points a game, also tops in the league. And he's almost perfect in the red zone. 20 touchdowns, no interceptions. Look for him to take some deep shots with the Seahawks hurting in the secondary. But remember, the Eagles have played just two teams currently with a winning record. But it's not just the offense clicking. The defense is allowing just 17 points a game, third fewest, and is number one against the run, surrendering just 65 yards a game. The secondary, 16 picks, second most, and Philadelphia has created 22 takeaways, third most overall. The Eagles are favored by six and are a league best 9-2 against the spread this season. Russell Wilson ran for a couple of touchdowns in the last two weeks, but now goes up against an Eagles side with 31 sacks this season. Wilson has been taken down 26 times. Now the passing game may be the key here as Philadelphia ranks 15th. Wilson is third overall in passing yards. Defensively, Bobby Wagner will be called upon to keep Wentz in check. 76 tackles, a couple of interceptions, and one defensive touchdown. Now if the D can find a way to keep that high-powered offense on the sidelines, Seattle stays in this game into the fourth quarter. But Seattle, number nine against the run, faces the second-best rushing team as the Eagles rack up almost 150 yards on the ground. Now, despite being a six-point underdog, Seattle has won the last three meetings. This program is brought to you by Mr. Lube, Canada's number one quick lube, now offering same-day tire services, no appointment needed. 
All right, Rugby Sevens action from Dubai. Canada taking on the U.S. on the consolation side after Canada went just one and two in day one. Good match, though. It's five-nothing for the Americans late in the second half, but Canada ties it up. Phil Berna taking it in. Just the sixth try of his career, but it ties it at five. Match decided in the first half of extra time. Justin Douglas and Connor Braid playing the give-and-go. Douglas trots in untouched for the winning try, 10-5 Canada. They lost to France in the semifinal for the Challenge Trophy, 28-21. South Africa won the cup final, 24-12 over New Zealand. EPL Saturday, Manchester United gunning for top of the table against uh, Man City, of course. Those two sides meet next week. United at Arsenal today, and the Gunners very sloppy on the giveaway there. It will be a goal for Antonio Valencia. And five minutes later, United double its lead. Another giveaway. Lukaku intercepts and some nice ball movement. Jesse Lingard will finish off. 2-0 at that point. Gunners did cut the lead to 2-1, but United gets it right back. Paul Pogba fending off Kachelny and then flicks it to Lingard for his second of the match. 3-1 the final United statement win at Arsenal. United five points back of City. Arsenal is now fifth. Chelsea and Newcastle. Blues trying to hold on to third. Newcastle struck first, but Chelsea with a response eight minutes later. Eden Hazard equalizing in the 21st. He also got one from the penalty spot later in the match. And then Victor Moses with the cross here to Alvaro Morata, who nods it in from close range. Chelsea take it 3-1. They remain third, three points back of second place United. Brighton hosting Liverpool. Reds had their way in this one. Philippe Coutinho taking the corner. Emre Khan with the header there, 1-0. Minutes later, off the counter, Mohamed Salah slicing his way through the midfield to... Coutinho, who will find Roberto Firmino. That made it 2-0. Firmino struck for a pair today. 5-1 the final. Liverpool stands fourth, a point up on Arsenal in the standings. And Harry Kane and Tottenham kind of struggling a bit as of late at Watford. And Watford scores first. Christian Cabaselli with the header there, making it 1-0 in the 13th. Spurs do level in the 25th. Christian Eriksen makes the run, crosses to Son Hung Min for the easy tap-in, but Spurs have to settle for a draw, and they're moving the wrong way. If you're a Spurs supporter, they drop to sixth after the one-all final. And we want to show you some football scores going on. Championship Saturday at BC Place, five games, the Grade 8 Championship. Notre Dame beats Tweedsmuir. Junior Varsity AA goes to Vernon over Bolinas. Junior Varsity AAA, Tweedsmuir beats Van College. It's uh, Senior Varsity AA. That's late in the fourth. 44-29 Windsor leads. And then the capper tonight at 7 o'clock. New West and Terry Fox for the AAA championship. And we'll have a camera there and highlights tonight at 11. All right. So make sure you're here for that. Yes. You good with heights? Some Not people so, get well, nervous. Well, if it's only a couple of feet, I'm good. Anything over that, no. Oh, you won't <laughs> like this then. But if you like a bit of a thrill, we've got a great uh, little treat that uh, is around that, that you might want to go and check out. We'll tell you about it in a couple of minutes. Monday, Bitcoin is surging in popularity. But how does it work? Cryptocurrency, your guide to digital money and if you can handle it without getting burnt. Consumer Matters, Monday on Global News Hour at 6. Here's a look at the conditions on the mountains. Whistler Black Hole with a base of 162 and 12 new centimeters of snow. 
Grouse with a base of 166, Cypress 184, Sasquatch opening December 15th. Revelstoke with 19 new centimeters of snow, Manning Park 15, Powder King with 12 new centimeters of snow and a base of 165. Big White with a base of 111, Silver Star with a base of 107, Sun Peaks with a base of 88 centimeters of snow and Apex opening December 9th. All right, finally tonight, if you head along to North Vancouver's waterfront, you might well notice a bright new attraction. It's a Ferris wheel that has been put up temporarily on the pier at the Lonsdale Shipyard. It is 65 foot. It has been bought in for the city's annual Christmas festival, and it is six stories high. So if you get up there, Barry, you will be rewarded with impressive views of the harbour and downtown Vancouver and the ski hills around there, of course. I wasn't too sure what to expect. But uh, look at it. You get these fantastic views of this new shipyard's uh, redevelopment, North Shore Mountains, Lionsgate Bridge, the beautiful skyline of Vancouver. Um, it's just a magical place. It's a fantastic little attraction that's almost, per almost uh, perfectly designed for the space we're in right now. Looks amazing, but it is only there for this weekend. It's open till 10 tonight and also tomorrow from 10 in the morning till 8 in the evening. And it is free to get on, but uh, you are asked to make a $2 donation to charity. Looks nice. It does. That's it from us. We'll see you at 11. Good night.